after a little bit right after this so right about the time that i stopped believing in that that religion might be real uh and i just became a sort of old-fashioned secular liberal humanist type thing you know you know what i uh-huh. mean like where it's just i just believe in you know people and cruelty being bad and you know because i remember one time actually a friend of mine in this this evangelical group once said to me he goes well I was talking about what I believe in, and he says, yeah, but according to what you believe in, anything that doesn't hurt someone is okay. And I was like, that's exactly why I would never join this. Uh Because you think that's ridiculous. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Goss with Leading the Tribe, the host. Uh, This is a podcast where... People come on, they talk about leaving stuff. It's a, it's a show about change um, and people's process of doing it. Uh, this episode, I talked with Dave Cyrus, a uh, very good friend of mine. Dave uh, is a comedian and he wrote a movie that'll be out in June. The King of Staten Island will be out in theaters. Uh, he wrote it with a Pete Davidson and Judd Apatow, and you guys should absolutely check it out when it's out uh, in the summer. Um, but yeah, we talk, we talk about a whole bunch of different things. Um, he was, uh, born a Jew and he, he, he still is. And we talk about the Jewish culture. Uh, he talks about going to a Jewish school, uh, flirting with other religions. And, uh, also, you know, we, we end talking about, uh, narcissism. We talk about a bunch of different things. Um. But it was a really good episode, and I'm really excited for y'all to listen. Please follow him at Dave Cyrus on social media, uh, as well as the show Leaving Tribe Pod, and uh, me Goss Goss Six. Uh, all those on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, please re- leave a review. It's always helpful. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh yeah, uh, I have an album. Uh, it got released November of last year, um, and it's called Dead from Chicago. You can go ahead and check that out. It's a comedy album. Um, uh, put a lot of work into it, and it, people seem to like it, so maybe you will too. Besides that, uh, you know what? I'll, I have a couple shows I'll plug real quick. Um, I have on uh, January 31st, on February 1st, I will be on the, uh, the the Madhouse Weekend, do a showcase weekend there. So I'll be there at San Diego, the Madhouse Comedy Club. And then December 2nd, I'll be uh, headlining their Sunday show. So if you want to see me uh, do more time than the showcase weekend, come to that Sunday show. Uh, on February 28th, I will be in Arizona in Yuma, the Whiskey Road Saloon, and uh, and that's quite a ways down. So, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, those are those are some shows you can uh, you can come see me at. And uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you all listening. Uh, this is a great episode. Really enjoyed this episode with Dave, um, who I wanted to get on for a while, but he lives in New York, so it's it's difficult. Um, because uh, I, I don't like, this isn't a good format for, you know, uh, online interviews. I really like talking to a person in person. 
and I'm glad I waited because it was a great episode. Uh, thank you, and please enjoy. Yeah, that that's fine. Terrific. Yeah. Okay. Dave Cyrus uh, is with me. I sure am. Uh, I, I hate starting that way. I usually, you know, what's funny is I usually try to, to start talking and then just press record and then cut out the bits that don't make sense. Hey everybody, I'm here with Tom Goss. Welcome yeah. to Leaving the Tribe. I'm Dave yeah. Cyrus. Leaving the Tribe of the Beats or whatever the fuck morning radio DJs call themselves. No, um, I'm really glad you're here. I've wanted, and I, I I just told you this. I wanted to uh, inter like interview with someone with some like Jewish background for a while. I do have some, yes. Y you do have some. And what's so interesting, and once again, sorry, this is just a recap of something I already said. Is like I think because you can be a Jew and not like practice all the time, you're well, still yes. a Jew. Some and people don't like that. They don't like the idea that, uh, according to Judaism. Really doesn't matter if you believe it or do anything. You're still a Jew. Some people, but I, I like you said. I like that. I think it's. I fine do too. Like, because yeah, being Jewish has nothing to do with whether you believe in God. It hasn't for some time. Yeah, it's it's a as you were saying, it's more of a it's like more of a culture. Yeah, it's like a nationality in many ways. It's like I don't know if it's an ethnicity necessarily, but what what counts is what. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's more like uh, yeah it is a cultural thing because like what it means to be Jewish has so little to do with like religion for most people right you know and that's good because like yeah I I may not believe in anything but I'm still obviously very Jewish yeah well and even even when I talk to like uh, my Jewish friends about Judah it, it, it Judaism it, it often just boils down to it feels like oh these are just the, the, the kind of the culture my family falls into. Like yeah. this is the, the, it always goes back to their family. And it's it a very always... gelled culture because you have to understand people will even say things to you like when you're Jewish, they'll say, like, where are you from? And if you you will say Jewish and they'll be like annoyed by that because, no, I mean, what country are you from? The thing about that question is the country that that Jewish person is from is just the last place that their people fled to. Sure. And, and it oftentimes have no actual genetic material. Like I know that my family is mostly from Russia. Yeah. But I don't have any ethnic Russian DNA at all, which is crazy. Really? I have all K1 haplotype, which is the uh, the Ashkenazi Jewish one. And so, like, when I look at my, my DNA, there is a certain, there is an ethnic Russian. And right. I didn't see any of it in my DNA, which is crazy. Yeah, that's that, how you can trace that. You can trace the family members. Yeah, that's our grandparents, right? Yeah, that's how cloistered. Well, I meant to, I got my DNA. I, I see exactly where my where I'm from, and it all lines up with what I know, including the part about they really did not like intermarrying. Yeah, they did. They were real careful, which I've said before on the Mean Boys. Right, right. Is why Jews can't breathe, <laughs> is because we are essentially the pugs of nature who have to sleep with a bone in their mouth <laughs> in order to breathe because there is a lot of uh, latent, like, mild inbreeding uh, with any, with a lot of different peoples out there right. that were tribal, you know, like that. So, uh, you know, it's why, like, you know, it's why so many, that's what they say is why, like, where our allergies come from, where all these, like, little, you know, genetic problems come Complaining from. Complaining about the dampness of the air. Yeah. And Which is funny also because I've also read that, like, inbreeding on some levels is beneficial. Really? Be, yeah, in, in weird ways, like being a little inbred, like third cousins, is healthier than not being inbred at all because of certain accidental immunities it gives you. But then when you're 
But like first cousins, when first cousins marry and they have a kid, yeah. that kid is almost always healthy. Even brother and sister, if they have a child, most likely would not have any problems. It's when that kid fucks their cousin that shit gets real. Because with inbreeding, it's usually not about the first generation of it. Um, have you ever heard of the Habsburgs? No. So the Habsburgs were a, uh, a royal lineage uh, hundreds of years ago uh, throughout like Spain and Austria and various places. Um, uh-huh. And the last king of the Habsburg, I believe, was named uh, uh, Charles II. I may be wrong on that. But he, um, so what happened was there were these, this, this royal couple, and one of them had like mental problems. And they had a bunch of kids. And they had a bunch of kids. And then all those kids married each other. And then they had a bunch of kids, and they had a bunch of kids, and all those f- first cousins married each other too, essentially. Some, maybe some closer ones, but like first cousins usually is not bad, but when you had first cousins coming back together again, when the, family, layers of incest, the, the family tree starts to literally become a diamond where it starts with one couple, they branch out, and then start branching back in. Yeah. And that's why the last king of the Habsburgs is one of the most profoundly disabled people in world history. Re- okay, interesting. Interesting. Died at probably 19. Uh there was a there was a 30 Rock episode where Paul Rubens played a character based on him. Uh-huh. But like he was, you know, he was what we would call a very disabled looking person. <laughs> yes, that is the wordage we would choose. That's what uh, I would choose. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. No, that's that's interesting. I ju- I actually, you know, I maybe I, I haven't studied my incest close enough, but I But that's know. royal family incest. I'm talking Jewish mild uh, you know, uh, accidental incest. It's just something that sort of happened and it's certainly not limited to just Jews. It's really the entire that the entire Middle East that's sort of uh something that, that has happened forever. Right. Uh, it, because, you know, they're not married brother and sister, but you know, a few generations later you're going to forget who your third and fourth cousins are. Yeah. When you're, you know, a fairly isolated community and that's happened you know throughout time right i'm, I'm just well, want to be i want to be clear i am not accusing my people of being a bunch of inbreds because i know that there are other podcasts that make the same claim from a much darker place sure 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 but i'm saying it, it's negligible but let's face it guys there's a reason uh i can't breathe out of my nose <laughs> yeah it's uh it's interesting it's uh uh well because it's still tell me if i'm wrong it's still kind of is it still kind of in the culture where they don't want you to marry outside of the Jewish faith? Is well, it, it depends on which part of the culture we're talking about. But yeah, in Judaism, it's very, very common. A very big deal to them is just they desperately want people to marry other Jews. My mom once got uh, interviewed by this Jewish organization that uh-huh. was just trying to get information to learn more to assist Jews marrying other Jews. So like she, which they were asking information because they just wanted to know what can we do, what can we do to get people to stop marrying non-Jews and stopping the, the the lineage of their religion. Right. Because it's been so important for so long. Like I said, somehow we, my family made out of hundreds of years in Russia with no Russian DNA, which is yeah. amazing. Right. No, it's it's crazy. But is it is it like uh. Like are is are the current generation starting to date outside more, more? so than ever? Yes, it's the same thing with any other religion. But though. it's but it's still it's still less. it is still very much yeah it's definitely less it's definitely gone down a lot which you know people are freaking out about they think it's like a silent holocaust they're having which I, they've used that term I'm not the one making that sure reference sure. they act like you're doing Hitler's job for you because you're doing it for you're doing it without even being 
uh, uh, forced. Without, yeah. As if, as if killing them is just as bad as just having kids who uh, don't know what a dreidel is. Right. Which, you know, I'm not saying you should do that. Per- like, here's the thing about that. I have to be clear. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then we'll start getting to whatever this podcast is about. Uh, well, no, this is all very interesting because yeah. it's, it's all foreign. Yeah. It's foreign to me. And yeah. I, always find, I always found the, the Jewish culture. I've always had Jewish friends. Uh, I've always found the jo- Jewish culture interesting. I've always... The, my my favorite part of it is that they don't they don't want you to join, which I think is never. Dope. Yeah, it is very hard to join. I think that's great. Now here's the thing about joining Judaism, if you should understand. Uh, yes, you can convert to Judaism. You got to go to a rabbi. You got to ask three different. They're going to tell you twice. The, they're going to tell you uh, twice no. Yeah. And the third time they'll say yes, and then it's a very long process. Right. It's a lot of work. They, they want to make it as hard as possible. Yeah. And unfortunately. If we're talking about certain rabbis, you have to get recircumcised, uh, right? Yeah, mm, but if you're and yeah. you're like, oh, thank God, I'm already circumcised, and they say, oh, that's good. That means we just have to draw a little blood, as a you know, a gesture. Yeah, that's creepy. But that's only inve- here's the thing about that. That's actually a very small sliver of rabbis that would do that because. Either they're to the left and they'd be more progressive and would make you do that, uh-huh. or they're to the right, which is the Orthodox rabbis who just say no flat out. According, you will never be a yeah. According to the Orthodox, not only will they not do it, they do not respect the legitimacy of anyone else's uh, conversion. In in term, oh, like so, if you converted from a different kind yeah, of Jewish, you're not a Jew. Interesting. If you yeah. converted to a different Jewish and then you tried to marry someone in their family, I'm sorry, you don't count. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And the one that that's that's you know what what I like about it is also one of the things that uh, make make me wildly uncomfortable is it, it it's I love that they don't recruit. I think yeah. I think every religion should not recruit. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, I think I I just I, I hate it. I, I have a real moral issue with people who try to recruit recruit people to religion. And then the draw side, I would say, is that uh, it is a little cliquish. And it's know. one of the. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why Jesus and Judaism broke from each other. Right. That was one of the main uh, you know arguments. Right. Uh huh. Because let's face it, Christianity is just a much more marketable Judaism. Yeah, it's no, so it much is. more marketable. It is. It is. Yeah. Because Judaism doesn't even have rewards. They just say, do what God said because he's God. Right. That's our big like claim to fame that we're like, we accepted God's laws. The, 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 the story of Judaism is God went to all the great peoples of the world and said, I have a book of laws uh-huh. and I want you to obey them. And every other people asked what those laws were and each of them had some law that they could not accept. And then he finally got to the Jews and they said, Whatever they are, we say yes. We don't need to know. Right. Which, you know, from our modern perspective, oh, God. It's just, you have to be annoyed just anytime you hear any story that's just like, this was made up by yeah. some guy who thinks we're goddamn idiots. It was made up, and the point is to not question authority is always... Yeah, it's the exact moral of the story there. But also, the other part you should remember is uh, we were still last. We were still the last people he offered it to, <laughs> as far as we're aware. According to our own story, we were God's last we were choice. The last pick on the, we were drafted last. Yeah, well, it's, that did stay consistent over time. Yeah, what was what was your first memory of like uh, a Jewish heritage? Was it a synagogue or did, was it in the household? Or here's the thing: I'm probably wrong about this that I didn't really recognize. But like 
I'm sure I had Judaism in my house as a child that I didn't really know the difference between my regular life and that. My first real experience with Judaism, as, as I can recall, was first grade. My grandparents decided to pay to put me in this, like, good first grade class, like, uh-huh. a, like a private school. I guess because I lived in Brooklyn, and they would, and this is the 80s, where they said if you send your kid to a public school, they're going to die. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> they would tell me about, like, you know. Brooklyn this, was rough back then. Yeah, this is the 80s when, like, you know, there were newspapers about, like, the ki- like my mom would say, like, there was stories about, like, the school I would be going to if I was in public school about kids being dragged out in the street, thrown into cars and stuff. <laughs> so they just didn't think I would, you, you know. You know, kid shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was, this was a much different time. Yeah. And so I went to this uh like re- like Jewish private school and I get there and like everyone speaks Hebrew and I don't. And when you say speak Hebrew, it's in class, is it in the hallways or is it is it the f- there's the cla- the day of the school is two parts. The first half of the day is Hebrew only. The second half is like English, like American history, whatever. Sure. So the first half of the day they're basically immersion. Like well most of these kids speak Hebrew. So the kids who don't will catch up. And I fucking didn't. I had no I, I was like, you, it didn't they didn't even start with the basics. It was just like it, it just seemed like they were just throwing you into this and figuring yeah. you'll you'll remember. And I just I would I just said to my parents, I'm like, what? I was like, what is going on? All these other kids are speaking this language. I've never even heard of this before. Isn't Hebrew also one of the more difficult? Oh, it's language? impossible. Yeah, it's so ridiculously hard. It doesn't even have vowels, for God's sake. You have to, we added the vowels later, like to make it a little bit easier to try to figure out. But no, it's it was really if you don't have any connection to it, that is really hard. And I just didn't have a knack for languages. And uh, apparently I also learned that um, I didn't know a lot of the kids names in class uh-huh. because i did not like try to talk to them so did, yeah no but, but were they it, like so in that first half of the day when the teacher wasn't talking to them because in class they had to were they still continuing to speak hebrew to each other um no i think like you could the kids were probably talking english uh-huh. to each but other they also noticed it, like okay this this kid's this kid's not keep <laughs> yeah well they're like I, I don't know if i was the only one but like so I know that I didn't really like I didn't pick up Hebrew at all going there. I was like, I yeah. don't know what is going on here at all. Like, like they didn't really try to like help you catch up. They acted like I was dumber because I didn't come from a, a household that spoke this. Right. And then the second half of the day, the English speaking teacher was worse. She was like this pregnant woman who was like crazy and would snap pencils in your face when she thought you weren't paying attention. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was something. Uh, so. And then they told my parents I was uh, learning disabled, which my mom didn't believe. Yeah. Well, how did, I did how did they even like how long were you there when they came to that conclusion? I don't know. I just know I was there for a year for a school year. Right. And they definitely told them before it was over and definitely earlier than that. Um, by the way, this is the same rabbi, the guy who ran the school, the same guy who told my mom I was disabled, also told her, by the way, stop wearing tight pants because you're distracting everyone. And my mom, this is the, even in the 80s, was like, wouldn't it be easier for you to just stop looking at my ass? Uh, did she really say that? Yeah, she did. she did. Oh, say that, that rules. Yeah. Your mom sounds cool. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, you know, she's still raised in Brooklyn, for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like her life was that, you know, sheltered. I mean, she was an 18-year-old in Brooklyn the summer that son of Sam was killing 18-year-old girls in Brooklyn. Yeah. Everyone, you know, my parents, you know, they knew half the people son of Sam killed. I don't know son of Sam. 
Oh, David Berkowitz. The uh, it's funny you don't know because I know you, you you have had some interest in, in the past in true crime. Uh, I mean, it's in a roundabout way, in an odd way. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to re-explain all that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he, episode. in like nineteen, I want to say the, the late mid seventies. Yeah, the late seventies in Brooklyn. David Berkowitz um, told police when he was caught. Or told and told the press that his dog was Satan and was telling him to kill people. Oh, maybe I have heard of this. And then years later, acknowledged that that was a hundred percent bullshit. He was just like every other serial killer, he just just, a, kill just a dysregulated, yeah, like monster who just really wanted to hurt women. Right. Uh, because of the way he felt women had treated him in his life, either his mother or whatever. It's it's sad how much serial killers like are like the exact same usually. Yeah. They, some woman the, treated them badly they're, they're and they never got over it. business done. Yeah. That's a, it's a joke, by the way. Uh, but yeah, no, they are kind of, it's a very similar mindset as the incels. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really, or it's, it's yeah, usually about either their mother or like the first girlfriend they ever had. Yeah. Basically. And, uh, or first person they started stalking. Yeah. And so he shot a few couples in cars. And I remember okay. my, uh, people started dyeing their hair because all the, all the, the victims were blonde. I mean, we're, we're brunette. So women started dyeing their hair blonde. Interesting. Because uh, they thought that maybe that would avoid it. Interesting. Like, this, this was kind of the uh, the East Coast Zodiac, huh? Oh, yeah. He was... Oh, yeah. David Berkowitz was a huge, huge... Uh, one of the biggest serial killers of all time. Even though he killed only a few people, but he really gripped that city. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be... The, the most famous ones are the ones that tend to... Uh, it's also, you have to remember, 70s Brooklyn was a, play, was a time when like everyone was looking at Brooklyn. Brooklyn Why? was a, well, like Saturday Night Fever and movies like that, like really made Brooklyn like a big name. You know, I, I don't know if Greece was necessarily Brooklyn, but like there's that that greaser look that yeah, that, that is very from, much from the Brooklyn of the 60s and 70s. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. You didn't. You didn't. I, I didn't know about uh, Berkowitz. Yeah. Who was, I'm, I'm assuming he was Jewish based on the last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people there were. But yeah, and he was yeah. son of Sam, even though it turned out he just made up the whole thing about talking to a dog. Yeah, which, you know, you're not going to have any great excuses at that point. Uh, yeah, I, I I remember something, learning something about a dog, but I, I yeah, I didn't know about that guy. So yeah, it's it's while she's dealing with that, some rabbi's telling her not to wear tight pants. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this was a few years later after they caught Berkowitz because okay. I was this was before I was born, I think. Okay. Right before I was born, my mom had me at eighteen. Okay. Uh, that's a that's a whole story too. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, they told my parents I was learning disabled, and then they end, ended up actually suing to get part of the money they paid for me to go to that school back. Uh, from what I recall, because other, like they didn't teach you anything. Well, other, also other students were having like emotional problems over this teacher, the English one. who yeah. was like, you know, the breaking pencils and screaming at kids and all this stuff. And like, like, I think there was a story about like some other kid in my class was beating up her dolls when she would come home from school. And they, the parents started talking and realizing that, that, you know, that these kids were telling the truth that these, you know, weird things they were doing. And, you know, these were, you know, it was a six year olds. Uh, right. You know, even the eighties, you know, you know, it's you know, it, it, they didn't sign up for a, this wasn't corporal punishment, but they didn't sign up for like, you know, some lunatic that every kid was being like, yeah, she doesn't teach us anything. She just screams right. and rants. Um, and then my mom put me into a different school, a non-Jewish school, 
and they thought I was gifted. So it me, my mom was totally validated to be like, oh, yeah, I think that school just sucked. Yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty, that's, if you immediately are recognized as gifted and the old school thought you were special. I, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, a, a jarring turn. And the, the new school wasn't, had no affiliation with faith or anything. No, like yeah, that. it was just a regular, like, school. Uh, like, it wasn't, yeah, there was nothing religious about it. So, you know, and my kindergarten had been multi, like, 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 you know, I, you know, I was one of the only white kids when I was in kindergarten. That right. was, I was much more used to like being around lots of different kinds of people. And so right. just it, my introduction to Judaism was like this, like this foreign, scary thing. I was just that was just being screamed at me. And then throughout the rest of like, you know, my childhood, it was just this thing where I had to be dragged to the worst day of my life being in temple and just listening to a language that no one there knows Almost no one, the people in that odd in like in that temple, all those conservative Jews, even the ones who speak Hebrew, most of them don't even know it. They can speak it by rote. They don't even they can't like have a conversation in Hebrew. Right. So it's it's this what same thing Catholicism had the problem. There's all Latin. No one knows what the hell's going on. It's just like this punishment. It feels like. So I never had this like connection to Judaism, but I did though. I mean, I I didn't have a connection to the religion, but I I was tribal as a lot of kids are. Of course, I believed yeah. in, you know, protecting who we were and I believed in like I was proud to be like Jewish and I was like patriotic because I was still too young to like really know enough about those to decide what I believed in. Because as I got older, I really all I really cared about was whatever was real. Right. Like I believed in Judaism, but I believed like, yeah, because I was like, no, I think I think it is. It makes sense. It's 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 the it just happens to be the one true religion. And it's the one I was born into. I got very lucky that way. Uh huh. And then around 15. So it's important to remember, I have no friends at all. And that's a very important factor in religions, because like the other day we were walking on Hollywood Boulevard and you see like, you know, there's a lot of signs for people to join a religion. Yeah, and most of those signs point to Scientology. Well, I didn't say what religion. You didn't, but uh, you didn't. From what I saw, okay, if you say so. And the thing is, though, it's like where better to advertise joining a religion than a place where delusional attention lovers from across the world go to as a pilgrimage to realize, oh, things are not going to work out, right? No, it makes sense. It it, it, it it does. No, I I mean I think, I think, and I don't know. I and once again I'm speaking in in vague terms, and I don't think it's everyone who is religious. I think especially people who are looking for religion are people who feel lonely, and want to feel deeper connection with other people, yeah. and are struggling to do so. Yeah. And in a way, a lot of religion does give that to people, and sometimes they give it in a healthy way, and sometimes it's an unhealthy way. Yeah, I'm certainly, I've never had this argument that, like, religion in and of itself is wrong. Um, it's, I, I've always said, like, I don't like when people lump things together, because I think it's kind of lazy. It's, you have to have the discipline to say, sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong, and the tiniest detail can be the difference. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and it's, it, 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 you know, uh... Yeah, I do. And I've never, you know, uh, I, I feel very similarly. And I think, I mean, it's one of the things that annoy me with people who are hyper atheists or is like you're just creating the same yeah. kind of tribalism. But now the whole point now, now all you've done is deconstruct people's beliefs 
and there's no there's no construction of them. Right. And on some level, we know that your absolutism is because that's more fun. It's more powerful. It's to be that absolute and be that gung ho about something. Yeah, it is to be nuanced. It doesn't. There's no benefit, especially today's day and age, to being nuanced and and and, you know detail oriented with your beliefs. And what I'm saying, like I think that a lot of Christians are very good people, and we don't know. Sometimes you know, you never know someone's heart. You don't know. Sometimes they're doing it because they're trying to take advantage of the authoritarianism and the ability to control other people. And sometimes they truly just have this goodness in their heart, and they like what Jesus said. And you know, most people love what Jesus said. Yeah, uh, you know that's why that's why it's confusing that a lot of Christians sort of don't follow what Jesus said so much as like Old Testament God, but talk about Jesus, be- right? Because Jesus was just too liberal for them. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely rounding to something. Um, I mean, you were you were talking about uh, going to temple and you hit this age yeah. of fifteen where you kind of just well, I started hanging out with an evangelical Christian. And he started trying to convert me into a messianic Jew, a Jew for Jesus, because when you're a Christian and you love Jesus, that's great and all. But if you're a genetic Jew who loves Jesus, you're like the that's that's the bottle service of Christianity. That means like you're the you're you're the the lineage that was always supposed to be the true Christians. Right. And so I and I didn't have any friends. So it, it was very easy for them to like get me like just wanting to like have something to do and i was very open-minded to it and i was praying regularly because they said if you pray to god for the answer he will give it to you so Uh i did i did pray for that exact thing i prayed to god to tell me what is true what is real what i should believe and i would hang out with these these evangelical christians and they were very nice they're all perfectly nice but there was also but there was also this weird kind of undercurrent of they they want you to like them because this is part of it's they want you to join their religion that yeah. is a thing that is going on here so like if uh, an older like a counselor says like oh yeah all the girls here like you you have to remember that a big part of that is getting you to stay yeah well and they they also just just a backtrack a little bit but not much the the reason they wanted a jew specifically i mean you mentioned your uh the the idea that you were your lineage was originally supposed to be on jesus's side but how much of it also is like it is a like it is the rival in in a in a way in terms of uh, like Jew, being a Jew, we're, were, we're, we're the non-believers. We're the ones who were the there and said, "Nope, not leaving with you." So, did you think that there Jerry was... Maguire got up and said, "Who's coming with me?" And we said, <laughs> "Fuck that." <laughs> Would, uh, do you think there was an aspect of you having faith, and the realer and truer the faith is, the more legit that we look in our faith? I don't know. I, 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 that, that does make a lot of sense. That like, yes, if you can, if you can get someone to join it, that proves yes, we are the true faith because we're the ones drawing people in. We're the ones getting people to convert, right? Yeah. But of course, like I said, Christianity is very marketable. It is. And the whole thing about Christianity was, yeah, it's all about love and 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 all these things I love about Jesus. But what they talk more about was really just the thing that they said they didn't believe in, but they still used it, which was what they called fire insurance. The idea that at the end of the day. If you don't do this, this guy who loves you so much is going to torture you forever. Right. And George Carlin talks about that, of how like it's very hard to reconcile the idea that he could be this full of love, but need to torture you because obviously if he doesn't, there's no incentive. 
Right. And it's and and so I but I got to know these people and it was fun and it was fine and everything. But, you know, a few things did start to poke holes in the idea because I look, I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted and I didn't know and I I didn't feel like Judaism was going to, you know, be that important or that wasn't going to. Well, Judaism wasn't going to wasn't going to be heaven. We don't even believe in heaven. We have no incentives. So it's hard to not think about like, well, there's if I don't believe in God, I can be burned forever or I could believe in God, which is just as easy and not. It's very hard. It's very easy to be like, well, I guess obvious. What kind of maniac? wouldn't believe this when that's the incentive but of course that's what's relying on that's exactly why you shouldn't believe it if that's what's the impetus of it so i was hanging out with these evangelicals and they were very nice and we're having a lot of fun and then like i said something started coming up that really made it impossible for me to stay with this one i did ask god for an answer for years i got nothing Oh. Because I wasn't making one up in my head. What? Yeah. Well, what were you when you were when you were doing that? What exactly were you expecting? Anything, anything that was that any rational person could see as a message of some kind. Because then you talk to someone, and I want to get into this too. At the same time, a little bit after that, around twenty, one of my best friends, who was a secular humanist like me, uh, Jewish, culturally only, a Bill Hicks fanatic type guy, you know, yeah. which is different in the early two thousands. Uh, <laughs> became an Orthodox Jew because he had nothing to live for. And that's where he found uh, people who would help him. And care uh, for him. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Who would help him get somewhere. And it was extremely disappointing to watch him go that direction, uh, to start believing, to stop believing in evolution. Right. To start believing in all these arcane, authoritarian, patriarchal things because this gave him something that made him feel special again. Um, So... Like I said, I keep I keep almost saying it. The the things that made me have to leave that sort of idea of maybe being a messianic Jew and maybe believing in Jesus and hanging out with these evangelicals that were really nice people was one. Um, in the middle of all this positivity, you would just suddenly hear, "Oh yeah, don't be gay. Being gay is wrong. Being gay is evil." And you look around and all these really nice people are just like, "Yeah," nodding their heads like, "Yep." Just I believe that just as much as everything else, and and you're just like oh, okay, uh-huh. I get it now. Were you? Were and you, in fact, they're all evangelical, so I'm just like I'm not getting laid with any of these women. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't having sex for quite some time after that anyway. But it just it's just nice to know it's possible. Uh, <laughs> you want that? You want that false hope? Yes, yes. I want to know that if I put in three years, it might happen. <laughs> well, I mean, so. You're how old were you again? You said you were like 16, 15, 16, 15 or 15. 16. Okay. You're 15, and when, it was, when I was 16 later after this was when I finally got real friends for the first time. Right. And that was obviously much more beneficial than any religion. Yeah. And the uh, oh, there was something specific I wanted to ask you, but the did you ever at any oh this is what it was. Did you at one point actually I don't know. I know there's a conversion process for for Judaism. I grew up Buddhist. There's a conversion process for for my, my specific sect of Buddhism. Is there a conversion process for that church? And did you go through it? Oh God, no! I never came anywhere near that. Okay. No, no, of course, no. I was never even remotely near the idea of doing that. Um, I assume it would have been a baptism. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, because they don't they don't want you with that many hoops. They want you on their side. They want you in their number. And like yeah. I said, they love the idea of Jewish people following Jesus because that's like the big coup. That's the coolest thing you can do as like a converter. You that's know? the we're winning. That's the proselytizing yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, so then I I totally rejected that. And at I basically for this was like a while where I was just very open to it. I just wanted to be right. All I cared about was being right. Uh-huh. That's all that mattered. It's still all that matters. But I didn't know what that was. And, you know, a lot of people are Christian. And I, I waited for a long... And then it was sort of like with this thing where they're like... He said, he was like, if you are open and you ask, God will answer you. And in my mind, after a couple of years of this, I really... And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, like, you know, praying, trying to, you know, do all this stuff. I really, at the end of it, was like, oh, he was right. I'm now 100% sure this was all bullshit. Yeah. I don't believe... I'm absolutely sure that nothing in the Bible is actually written by God. There might be a God. There's no way any religion is actually his word. Uh-huh. Well, it's all, I mean, at the end of the day, every everything that we know about God and all the context we've given to the idea of God was all written by people. Yeah, of course it was. I and mean, people say that it was through, you know, through him, he wrote it, you know, it's God's words through that person, but the reality is there's no actual evidence of that. And let me back up a little bit because I was in, like, before, like, the time of, like, my bar mitzvah, like, which is 13, I was going to Hebrew school because they do have to teach you how to memorize, like, the prayers you're going to do, and they do teach you about Judaism and stuff. Uh, I mean, I didn't like that place either because, you know, I didn't get along with that many kids in general. I was a weird kid, so, like, that was going to taint anything. But, like, that was one of those places where you realize you're like, this is the second you see one example of bullshitting, it should it should destroy your faith. Yeah, because if God is real and this religion is real, then there is no need for there to be any lies. There is no need for there to be any of this bullshit. Vegas. And then as soon as you start seeing adults bullshit you as a kid. And you can tell they're lying in the moment to just keep you believing in something that they also know doesn't really make sense. You're a coward to keep believing in it. I wouldn't say you're a coward, but if I you know the sense when you it. know when you see this is a lie, you see this is fake, and you're just saying, "I'm just going to push that part aside." I think that like it's very hard to look for truth to really look for it. Yeah, no, it is, and very only hard. care about it because that, and that's how I. After a little bit, right after this, so right around the time that I stopped believing in that that religion might be real, uh, and I just became a sort of old-fashioned secular liberal humanist type thing, you know, you know what I uh-huh. mean, like where it's just I just believe in you know people and cruelty being bad, and you know, because I remember one time actually a friend of mine in this th- this evangelical group once said to me, he goes, well. I was talking about what I believe in, and he says, yeah, but according to what you believe in, anything that doesn't hurt someone is okay. And I was like, that's exactly why I would never join this. Uh-huh. Because you think that's ridiculous. Right. And what, what, what was, was he referring to something specific when he said that? Um, it was, I don't remember. It was, I know that I did argue the gay thing a lot. I know that I was very offended by the way that they were just folding homophobia into all these other things that were about being good. That was it was yeah, like a was, list of things that everyone agrees with. Uh-huh. Be clean, be nice, be this, be that, and then don't be gay. Was just somewhere in there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's uh, that 
that's a reoccurring theme in people's issue with a lot of religion. I guess my question is, where did you, um, how did you already know that, like, you, you, you recognize it as homophobia, and you didn't like it. Where did you, is your, was your family very liberal? Did you grow up with gay people? Did you my family a, wasn't liberal, but my uncle is gay. So you grew up with someone who, yeah. I didn't know he was gay most of that time. At this time that I'm hearing this don't be gay and this guy's talking about, you know, prisoners who turn gay as, like, weak. As as if every man is just like, I held back the urge, why can't you? Right. Uh, this was maybe only at, at maximum two years after learning my uncle was gay. Uh-huh. And just, but I mean... By then, my by my teen years, though, I was definitely like this was the '90s. I I was mildly homophobic in the way that like every little boy is. Sure. Up until you know. Sure. Unless you're you know, unless you're, we're talking about born in the 2000s, basically, I was mildly homophobic, like being like I don't want, I don't you know, being like I'm I understand that I'm being called gay in different words every day as an as an insult i certainly don't want to be that yeah that ev- that thing right, everyone hates right. and you know you're supposed to but i never actually had like any but it more came from places like i don't like to be called names but yeah, yeah and yeah and you were like yeah and if someone and if you know you would call things gay you know just like right so like i was mildly homophobic in that way that like um like i don't i, I didn't have any animosity yeah, I see I don't know. But I know. certainly was like scared. Yeah, I think I was definitely scared uh, a little bit of like, you know, being hit on by a gay man because that's sure. something that they terrify you with as a child. Yeah, they act well, like they're predators and, and you Yeah, yeah. Well, and I also say and I'm saying this is a, a fucking straight dude, so I I could be totally off. This is for a gay person to say, you know, but I I do like Personally, I feel like there's a difference between homophobia and childhood ignorance. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way. I remember being like 11, maybe, and like kids called each other those names constantly, yeah. especially back then. It was the only thing kids called each other. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, re- it's, boys. I, re- I, yeah. I, re- I remember uh, uh, playing a game with the neighbors, and my, my mom, when I came home, asked me, like, what, pl- what game did you play? I said, Smear the Queer. I had no idea what it meant. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea why it was a problem. We never called me. it that. We called it Kill the Guy with the Ball. <laughs> no, that's, so I guess I was from a nicer town. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's what they call it. I didn't know what that word was. I, and, I do but, remember in camp, though, uh, someone saying to me, and they were fucking with me when I was like maybe twelve or thirteen, and saying they were gay, and then being like, "Don't tell anyone." And at the, and I remember being like really serious, like, "I swear to God, I won't tell anyone. It's okay." And then him being like, "I was just kidding," you know. But, but like, I, but like, I remember, I do know when I actually the thought I was encountering a gay person for the first time, I took the holding the secret very seriously. Yeah. Like, I won't let them... Because I thought, like, they would... I thought, the, like, it was... I thought they would kill him. I thought, like, if, if it right, came out that right. this kid was gay, someone would, like, beat him up. Yeah. You know? Do you think that he was uh, opening up to you hoping that you would say the same thing? Or do you think he was just fucking with you? No, no, no. I knew... It, it, in retro, no, it was, like, it was, it was too fast. It was, like... It was just... His... I think his friends knew he was saying it. So, yeah, it was... Uh, they were just... 
I, I don't know what they was they were going he for. Was, they were just doing it. They were yeah, just yeah. kidding. Or, yeah, they were just, you know, yeah, yeah. seeing what my reaction would be. It's just always You're right, though. Maybe they were seeing. I thought if, that I would say I was. <laughs> well, I, you know but not because he wanted me to be gay, because he wanted to beat me up. <laughs> it's, it's, inter- it's always interesting to me because uh, this is like a continued point that came up. And I also, I'm very, very lucky that I grew up in a, you know, religion that really, at no point was there any discrimination discrimination against gay people or trans people like that was super common growing up being around those kinds of people so it's always interesting when i talk to people who are who are straight and it it, it's all it seems to be a reoccurring theme of a giant problem they had with a religion was the homophobia and i'm always curious like okay if this was the common culture was homophobic it came from somewhere where you go you know okay but that's not right and for you having the uncle, that makes a lot of sense. But like I said, even before I knew my uncle was gay, I, I was, I still had that kind of reaction to it. Where like I did, like anyone else, I was like afraid of being gay. You know, sure. like it was this terrible thing you could be. But I still like when it was when it, when it came up, I was for the time at least, you know, cool about it. Yeah. Um. The thing about being about homophobia and religion, though, is I feel like it all comes from a very practical place for the people who probably put it in that book the first time. There were a million Babylonians and 45 Jews, and they were like, every gay man is a third less of an army. Yeah. No, it's... yeah To the point that they were just like, look, do whatever you want, but get a woman pregnant first, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, that... that, that, uh, It's funny, I kind of believe that's exactly... of course that's where it came from. They just wanted as many humans as possible. Right, right. No, and, I, I... And I, then it I, snowballs into this horrific thing. Come to the same theory, yeah. Yeah, so... But yeah, that's... um. So, yeah, so anti... That was one of the big things that just made me just sort of reject Christianity because Judaism is homophobic too, but they never really talk about it. Like, Jews aren't... Jews have the same laws about, you know, you shouldn't be gay because they get it from the same book. Right. Which they interpret anyway. I mean, it's not even that specific. It's Sodom and Gomorrah, which is not a story about not being... It's this, It's really the most ridiculously full of shit misinterpretation of a story you could have. That they retrofit don't be gay into Sodom and Gomorrah is is insane. Like you could build an entire city out of, of gay people and continue it. You need to some sort of... Uh, it's a, it's it was a, just... It was, it was sin in general. Anyone would say this was about don't rape people. It said any time a man or woman enters this town, everyone gang rapes them. And yeah. that's why you shouldn't have consensual gay relationships. You know what the worst thing is? It's a big leap. I bet Sodom and Gomorrah were just places that allowed polysexual activity. Maybe. I, I don't bet know. that's all it was. It, it's possible. I mean, I it, bet they allowed are... homosexuality and that became within a week of someone leaving be like, oh, yeah, you walk in there. Every guy fucks you. Right. Yeah. No, and it's 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 very possible. It's also like mo- it seemed like everything was pretty poly back way back in the day. I mean, easily. Yeah. But so, uh, yeah. No. OK. So sorry. I was just I want I've I've I realized that this is that point came up a bunch. I never really asked someone, you know, deeper, like, you know, where where, you know. Well, I also just I just didn't want to as a kid, I didn't want to hurt anyone. I didn't yeah, have a problem with sure. gay people outside of the idea that I was constantly told it's the worst thing that could happen to you. I remember being like seven years old and crying to my mom, what if I'm gay? Because I was so terrified. 
it could happen to me. And I think even at, and I, now that I think about it, even at that age, I recognized it was not a choice. I was like, clearly, no one would just want to do this. Yeah, it's a curse, like right. that 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 is put upon you the, to be the person that every boy hates. Yeah. I mean, and then you know, by the time you know the nineties, you know, were were through, you know, you're, it was a completely different world. And right, right. I mean, I was right. also an adult, so by the time I was like a thinking human being, I got it. I wasn't. I also wasn't a Republican anymore. I wasn't a patriot. I wasn't. I wasn't watching Rush Limbaugh like when I was eleven. Yeah. yeah which, well, by the way, the age to watch Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> when you're eleven. Yeah. When yeah. like when you when Rush Limbaugh goes, did you know more men get raped in America than women every year? And you're like, wow, man, that's fucked up. I can't. Be-. He. I remember as a kid him saying that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, that doesn't sound... Uh, well, you said if you include the prisons. Well, that's exactly what even I then, Even then, it's it's a complete... So well, it's also just, like, and what's, we're, we're going on a lot of tangents, and that's okay, because I think they're interesting tangents, but I, I think, I think, I think uh, the the social problems, like, I don't even, I think that's, that's probably wrong. It's probably not, it's, even it's ma- wrong. mathematically, when you think about it, if every man who ever went to prison was raped, it still wouldn't make the difference for that, for that, for that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that it's, it's like male sexual abuse gets wildly underreported and all that. But it's, it's, I think that's a giant leap to go from that fat, like, I don't know. Once again, there's no middle ground with anything. It's I've also the most known a, extreme or not at all. I've also known a few people who went to prison, and everyone I've spoken to on that it's subject consensual these days says that that yeah. it is extremely exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, in ter- that people yeah. think every single person who go- every man who goes to prison gets assaulted, and it's not at all true. He said yeah. he said the majority of it is consensual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and that the, the very that there's a small, unfortunate, unfor- horribly, but there that it's. It's basically the there's only a small subset of the people who are the victims of that. It's the people who don't fight back. The that the way they describe this is that you know it's it's not like the majority of people are victims of, right, of right. sexual assault. I mean, we, it's something that they have to get rid of in general. Sure. And modern prisons have done a lot of things to do that. They're much more open air now. There's a lot of prisons that have changed the way that like prisoners are having interaction with each other. And the big downside, according to some people, has been. It's much harder for consensual gay relationships to continue in prison because of those things, because of all the safeguards they have against the ability to rape someone. Right. That they never get alone. You're never alone with anyone anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't I don't even I don't even want to speak to that. Here's what I know is uh, it's it's I know. I know. I mean, I know more women, but I, 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 I don't know. Half the people I know well, I feel like have. The dudes, I'm speaking about the dudes, it's more for women, but the dudes, it's like half the ones I know well have had some sort of, even if it's not that exactly. Being touched in some way. Yeah, that is, that is, you know, and it's, that, that, that's fucked. And that's, that's always the thing where it's like, I feel like the, the, you know, Rush Limbaugh obviously is using it for a evil rhetoric. Just as a, as a means of saying don't respect women. Exactly. And that's don't respect feminists. That's that's bad. It's always frustrating when you hear someone using a kind of a uh, a taboo thing that is not talked about and they use it to kind of put down another differently and I'd say I mean it, it, it does have more to women than men use that 
that idea, this untapped taboo subject, and use it to tear it down another group of people who are suffering. And then the other side of the coin is it just doesn't get talked about. Yeah. It's a wildly frustrating, you know. It is a weird thing how, like, only in the last few years, it's finally become even slightly unacceptable to constantly make rape jokes about prison. It's one of the hackiest, right. it's one of the hackiest premises of all time. Right. That, like, everyone has to make rape jokes every single time anyone goes to prison. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's just so, it, it's a very odd thing because it just, it does normalize it and it makes it a joke and it should be taken as something more seriously because it does still happen. It you does know? still happen. It happens to a lot of people. It just doesn't happen to every single prisoner. Like, right. Like, they act right. like. It's, it's, I don't know. The whole thing's tricky and I've, I've never, I've never been to prison. I, I guess I was more just, once again, more tangents and I, I, I feel like I'm doing a, a bad job, but it's also like I shouldn't feel bad about it because these are these are I, I still it all come no, it's gonna all well, come together at the end. Still important things that I think should be discussed and talked about, and like the idea of co-opting someone who is a group of people who are ignored and then using that to tear down other groups of people who are yes. oppressed is a reoccurring theme, you know. And you're you watched this when you were eleven, but this it's gotten worse today. Yes, and it sort of draws me back to something I was thinking about earlier when we were yeah, talking please. about evangelical Christianity and how like a lot of them are absolutely true in what they believe in and some are just abusing authoritarianism and you don't really know which they are until they are tested. And you don't and most people go their whole lives without something being like a clear cut you have to choose between what's right and what's wrong. And it's going to show what you're really in this for. And that is one of the silver linings of Trump's presidency. He is the most obvious test of evangelical Christians' morality that could possibly exist. Right. He is the most cartoonish representation of evil according to what they consider evil. You You could possibly build in a laboratory. He looks like a cartoon of their devil. Yeah. If you still support him, it means you never believed any of this. Right. Because you know goddamn well it's Trump or Jesus. It cannot possibly be both in your heart. Yeah. I mean, I can't... As someone who's not evangelical, and I, I, I can't speak to that, but you're probably... You're probably I just know right. if I was evangelical, I'd be 100% sure yeah, this was a I test. Mean, you've spent more time in that sort of church, so I, I you know, I... I, I, like, I believe you for the word for it. I just don't want to, I don't want to, like, uh, yeah. because, because you're not technically evangelical. No, no. You, you, you uh, visited, but, and I'm, I've never been that. I just. And uh, I've studied Christianity for other reasons. You know, I mean, I did have my YouTube phase of going to Westboro Baptist Church and other uh, Christian hate groups, uh, like, protests just to fuck with them. So it became a thing where I sort of brushed up and was like, all right, now I really need to know everything about <laughs> what they're yeah, saying what exactly? so that I can start arguing against them and, you know, being like, no, I'm going to win this argument yeah, against right. these Christian scholars Which who, you know, who are not, you who are about as far from true Christianity as you can even imagine. For sure. For sure. But yeah, going back to you, you, so you had, you, you know, you had the Jewish faith, you felt alone, you had, you tapped into evangelicals, you yeah, left, and you then were alone. abandoned that, and I still had this same kind of like 
desire and neurotic need to, you know, know what's really true and just be, and I had this obsessive kind of like desire to like know the, to uncover things. And that's sort of, that's mm -hmm. where the, the, my interest in religion originally was. I was like, I just wanted to know I needed to be right about this. And right. then I got really, really around the same age, right as I was leaving Christianity, started getting super into conspiracies and reading everything, getting, you know, Robert Anton Wilson and, uh, you know, uh, Behold the Pale Horse books and the Illuminatus trilogies and uh, just basically reading everything I could possibly get my hands on and trying to just figure out what is really going on in the world. Right. And I became... I consumed, you know, alien conspiracies, you know, Bigfoot stuff too, uh, you know, all the Illuminati stuff, the idea that people were kept saying that, you know, the, the government on a Thanksgiving in the late 90s, which is what they were claiming, is going to invade every household at once, meaning that somehow the government's going to get hundreds of millions of cops and, they're, and we're all going to get it, the stupidest fucking thing I ever imagined that all these people believed. This is the same... I forgot if this is Wilson or the other guy, but that who uh, told people that he had video that showed John F. Kennedy being shot by the driver of his car and that this was this big deal and that this was this big thing that everyone was trying to cover up but that the original footage showed it and then he shows the... And I finally saw that video that he was referring to. The second you see the video, you realize this asshole is trying to convince people that this image, this visual image you see right next to the, one of the drivers is a gun. And when you look at it, anyone who wasn't full of shit could immediately see it was the, his hair. It was his gelled hair and the line of his hairline looking a little bit like the line the that, could, that could look like a shape of a pistol. But you... But, but once again, this was a liar manipulating people who didn't know what they were looking at. Right. And it made me so sick. So I basically became this huge conspiracy nut for a few years and then read enough about it because I wasn't looking at it tribally. I was looking at it like I really want to know if it's true or not. You, you're driven. Yeah. You're I driven wanted to be. If you, I, you like being right. More than being accepted, you like being right. That's been my whole life. Yeah, I've had multiple times when that's happened to me where like I had a whole classroom hate me because I cared more about being right than being liked. Yeah, and I, it's interesting. I wonder where that comes from because I think I've I fucking I, I, I've struggled with the same thing. Yeah, so I, and I don't know. I don't know if it's and we can get to this later. I don't know if it's necessarily better the drive to be right. I don't know if it's better or worse than the drive to be. Liked. I don't know why I liked it so much when a whole classroom thought one thing and I thought the other. And, and I have one story I have to tell you when yeah, we get finished please. with this. That's very important for this whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I liked it because I just, it, I don't know, I felt special, whatever it is. And I know that people hate that. But so basically I just learned all about these conspiracies and then all at once was like, all right, I've gotten it all. I've read everything. These are all fucking liars. This is an industry of bored, mildly schizophrenic pathological liars trying to get attention because the more you look into each one you see the patterns of manipulation of information trying to find one thing that they know a person who is not a hundred percent there will believe and then extrapolating out of that and that's what you know the alex joneses of the world do and i knew about alex jones way before anyone before would, it was cool when i'm talking in the 90s yeah my friend 
who the one who was a secular humanist who then became an Orthodox Jew before this was obsessed with Bill Hicks, contacted Kevin Booth, Bill Hicks's best friend, and asked like for like asked if you could have like an item that Bill Hicks owned because remember this guy was losing his mind. Um, I'm sorry. I hope he's not listening. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Screw it. I hope he is. Uh, and then he sent us a video of Alex Jones. And I'm watching this, and this is, I'm, at this time, I love Bill Hicks. Yeah. And Bill Hicks' best friend got back to us and mailed us a video of someone who looks like Bill Hicks doing stuff that kind of seems like something Bill Hicks might do. This, like, we have to protect our freedom, where he was doing this one thing where he went into a DMV that was, that said you had to have thumbprints to get a license. And then he, like, said, well, I won't do it. I will. I refuse. And they said, "Okay, well, we, we can't give you a license. We can only give you like this other ID, whatever it is." And then he refused to leave. And then he finally, the police had to make him leave, and so that he could be like, "You see the way they're 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 thugs had to." It's like, yeah, but that's just because he refused to step out of line, right? And then he did a thing where like there was a checkpoint, uh, for like. I don't know if it was DUI or what it was, but some kind of checkpoint on a highway. And so he's like, we're going to get on this highway and we're going to show them that they have absolutely no legal right to, to stop me from, from, you know. And, he, and it's just him in this video driving to this checkpoint over and over and over. You'll be like, well, they didn't, they didn't stop us again. Uh, they've been letting us through every time. But event, like they, they never stopped him. And I remember watching this being like, I hate this man so much. Yeah. I fucking hate this this lying bullshitter and I hate Kevin Booth for sending me this and yeah. and I'm and I've, I've been friendly with Kevin like years later uh, and I've made fun of him for because he he thinks that Alex Jones he talked to Alex Jones like well you know he's a fun guy I get that he's a little wacky it's like no he's destroying the fucking universe you it, to not understand why disinforming people with conspiracies and lies is so morally evil so one of the worst things you can do you are you might be destroying the world because the more people lose touch with reality the more dangerous this world is going to get yeah and especially when i realized oh my god i was reading about conspiracies that when i really that at the end of that at the end of the of this rabbit hole realized these were all fucking right-wing politicians trying to demonize like liberals and human and like people who believed in like socialism and just trying to find excuses to get us to be afraid. It's right, the same reason why right. Ronald Reagan said the scariest words in the human language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. He got all these idiots to be like, yeah, he, he Reagan's was, right. Government sucks. And that's why I don't want food stamps or I don't want, I don't want FEMA to come here when there's a hurricane. It's like, no, he just convinced you to be, a, to agree to just cut off own, funding to poor yeah, people. Yeah. Your own interests. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all, yeah. And I wrote a novel. I wrote a novel about <laughs> conspiracy theories. Did you really? Yeah, because when I was like 21, 22, because I was like, well, I know so much about them now. I need to do something with this. So I wrote a satirical novel called Planet of the Humans about all these conspiracies happening at once. And that's like a farce almost. Like the idea that the, all these things that these different liars were putting together are all, it's all one conspiracy. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you wrote a novel. I mean, I was 22. It's probably not good. Um, I mean, I haven't read it yet, so I can't. I can't tell. I'll let you know when when you let me read it. So here's a story I need to tell about when I was <laughs> You're eleven. Rushing through that one. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm. You know, it's. I don't know if I have. I'd have to really find a Dang. copy. Sure, sure, um, sure. I. So I, when I was eleven years old, I was in a class called critical thinking. When I signed up for it, it was called study skills, mm -hmm. which I thought I needed. But then it was critical thinking. I was like, okay, I guess we're just 
We can just go fuck ourselves. Right. I get in this class, and it's basically like a lot of like think stuff. It's like weird, like, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but like it's just a lot of trying to teach 11-year-olds to like think better, uh-huh. I guess. And one of the things they did in this class was we read The Hound of Baskervilles, which is a Sherlock Holmes novel. Yeah. But we didn't read it the book because, you know, it's hard for a whole classroom to have books. So the teacher just gave us uh, photocopies of the pages of the book and we would read it as assignments. Like you would get like a chapter and you have to read it that week and then you would have a report about it. And then at the end of the book, Sherlock Holmes reveals that the murderer. So I knew here's the thing. At biology class, we were also learning about genetics. So I happened to be learning about genetics at the same time. And the Hound of Baskervilles actually relates to genetics. It was about how. Uh, a doctor gets murdered by these dogs and you find out that it's be- the murderer was the was stopping the doctor from revealing that he wasn't the true heir to the throne and he does it simply by looking at photo uh, looking at paintings of them and doing the th- something along the lines of like either like eye color or something he was able to figure out oh you're not really uh, a part of lineage and the doctor knew that blah 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 as an obsessed manic little 11 year old i actually figured that out not all of it, but I figured out the part about I had it backwards. I thought it was someone who want, who didn't want them to know he wasn't the heir, and it was like it was something that he was. But I just I basically figured out the mystery of it, and that was the next chapter of the book that was going to come because what we did as a class, we had a whole big class discussion about okay, what do we think the ending is? Why do we think this man killed this other man? This guy killed the doctor. How did Sherlock Holmes know? And I gave my story, and then we had like a vote in class where me, so I had my theory, and then one kid voted for my theory, and then the other kids, all the other kids in the class voted for a different theory, that he murdered the doctor, not because of anything to do with his genetics or the will, but because the doctor was more popular than him. These are 11-year-olds. Right. not crazy that they think that. They're children. Yeah, and I and I remember like as well, a kid. Well, that's also the thing they value yeah. the highest at that age. I was gold blooming. I was Jeff Goldblooming with insanity, just being like, like you, you don't understand that it's a Sherlock Holmes novel. He would never do something. There's always a specific con. Like I was trying to explain this, and right. they just didn't listen. Logic everyone, finds a way. I mean, everyone hated me anyway, so that made sense. But I said to the class, of course, I'm in this emotional state where I'm just like, I know, I know, I may not be right. I know they're wrong, and I want, and I was like. Saying to the teacher, like, all right, well, show, show them I'm right. Or, you know, please tell us, show us the ending. And this fucking teacher said in class, no, that was the end of the book. The ending is whatever the class decides the ending was. And I said, like, yeah, I get it. But, like, what's the real ending? And she, like, angrily was like, no, that's the ending. Whatever the class votes on. Is the ending and I I'm 11 years old and I was like ranting about like conformity and like this is so morally wrong you're telling us that and I mean that you see who I you know was the rest of my life I really lost my fucking mind in that class and I remember my parents going to like a parent-teacher conference and I grilled them being like this is what you have to understand I your son is the only one in that class who figured out the mystery and instead of being rewarded for being the only one who got it, I was chastised and made fun of by the other kids and she got these other kids to treat me like a fucking lunatic because they were like, she got these other kids to be like, well, what do you think? Do you think he's right or do you think you're all right? Where, where do you think that comes from in you? 
And I just want to say, my parents, they came back and they were like, well, she admitted you were right, but the problem was that you wouldn't stop. Interesting. And I was like, why should I stop? She would admit she's wrong. Where, where, do you, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think? Narcissism. I think it's latent narcissism, something I've always kind of wanted to avoid in my life, but I know that it's there. I see it in family members of mine um, that I'm blood related to. Yeah. And I recognize that it's something that you need to actively avoid. You yeah. To, but I, I think that's probably part of it. I think that's why I didn't care as much about being liked because I was just like, no, I'm right. I'm the one who got it I'm right. I'm better than you. I won. Yeah. It's, and I, I mean, to re-answer your question, I could also use the word competition. I'm very competitive in that way. I think sure. It, but I think that's, maybe that's part of narcissism. I don't know. But I think that that's like, I think just a lot of people have tendencies toward it and I, I don't want to be that. Um, yeah. No, but, it's, it's a, it's a thing, you know, it's a thing that I think, uh, it's interesting you say that because I think it's a thing that, what's, oh. No, Keith, care everybody. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Keith Carey from episode two or uh yeah um it's interesting it, it's interesting how immediately you kind of knew that it's also interesting I mean we we struggle with a lot of narcissists in the industry that we're in it's kind of hard to do comedy without it yeah and the varying degrees of narcissism are it's it's interesting to see it's you know, I don't know if anyone has a healthy amount. I definitely see people who have a more healthy amount of narcissism than others. You know, uh, yeah. compared to a lot of people I know, I've never viewed you as a narcissist. I don't. I don't think I'm. I don't want to be. Yeah. But I know it's in there. I know that, like, unchecked, it could go there. Yeah. No. It's. It's. Uh. I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about because it's. 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 Uh. I mean, it's an evil thing, and uh, w for me too, it's something that I know that's in there, and it's even it's even uh, you know your 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 that mentality you talked about that was something I really struggled with cause, you know when I went from homeschool to uh, a public school, there was this weird thing where like hey f f fuck you guys this is half the story fuck you guys this is. And I don't know if that's where I developed it or or whatever, but the it it, it the, the kind of the frustrations you were describing, I related to, but also at the same time, I know that's an unhealthy part of me, and you you immediately know it's an unhealthy part of you know, part of you. How how do you keep it in check? Yes and no, though. The unhealthy part is the desire to be to win over all those kids. However, wanting to lie and pretend something wasn't true to be liked would be more unhealthy. I, I mean, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. Because to me, it was never about at the time. All I thought about was like, all that matters is what's true. All that matters is what's real. And like, I hated lying so much. I hated being lied to so much. Yeah. That it just that's where that kind of came from for me. And I resented that teacher forever. Yeah. I, and I, I was right, too. What she did was very wrong. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with She's that. She's a terrible teacher. I don't... No, I don't I don't disagree with... Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But in terms of as a, as a whole, as a person, I mean, you, you brought up something that's very interesting to me and something that I've, like, I personally struggle with, which is 
well, keeping look, narcissism in check. Well, look, I mean, conspiracy theories are a big part of narcissism because a big reason why people allow themselves to start believing in these things, not the main part, but like a lot of it I think is, honestly, mild schizophrenia is a very big, I know, I've known many people who told me when, once they started getting treatment for that, their conspiracy theories evaporated, uh-huh. specifically medication for it. Right. Um, but I think narcissism is where a person who has no medical background starts thinking they know more about medicine than doctors. Uh-huh. It's where people who don't know anything about something can start believing they've uncovered a conspiracy that the rest of the professional world is too stupid to see. Mm-hmm. That is a very narcissistic thing. The idea that like, you know, that you can look at the, the idea that all these people online who get news footage and they start, they think that they're seeing details that 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 lead to them realizing, oh, this is all a lie, and this really means this. And it's like it's very much a part of like you want to feel special, yeah, because you think you're special, but the world doesn't. Yeah, no, no, no. I I get all that, and I agree. I agree with all that. I'm asking like you, Dave Cyrus specifically. Mm-hmm. You you know that. That is something that oh, you can, how to avoid narcissism. You, yeah. you know you can fall into that. You've fallen into that. You've pulled yourself out of that. That's a difficult thing to do. A lot of people don't end up doing that. Yeah, I think as a kid, I was more susceptible. Yeah, like as a kid, you, you, you it's very easy for children to like you. You think you're going to be a superhero. Or you think you know you, you think that you're you know special. That's very normal. Narcissism is often encouraged a lot of ways when you're. Yeah, young. and I think that like the in terms of like fighting it, I think that. What I've just tried to do is that, you know, even though I know I have these narcissistic tendencies that when people have, it goes to negative places, try to just, while being mindful of it, also use the positives, which is, you know, the believing in yourself and the energy and the drive that it can bring you. And in that way, utilize the narcissism in such a way that I'm actually probably the first person who's ever had the disease, but managed to turn it in such a positive way that it is an entirely a benefit to me, whereas the rest of humanity is it, it has not achieved that level of consciousness yet. Uh-huh. Sorry, I'm doing a bit about being narcissistic. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, that was that was. A, I'm sorry, I, I didn't <laughs> know. Okay, I I wasn't sorry. Did, I'll tell you why that got me concerned for a second. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Because you were looking time. at me like you were terrified. And I, I, was, I did. I honestly, dude. And I was like, yes, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought was. I made. I thought I made this crazy <laughs> just, enough that it was clear I, that I was doing a bit. I'll explain why that freaked me the fuck out another time. Oh God, you've had that exact thought, haven't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Um, but yeah, I, I literally, <laughs> yeah, that's just a uh, that's a joke. But yeah, um, nar- sorry, sorry. I, I a friend of mine just basically said like the key to narcissism, the key to fighting it is acknowledging its existence because narcissists never believe they are, never because right. they no they think they're that special. Right. They think everyone else is a narcissist, but they're not because they're actually gods. And they're actually that. And I've had that exact conversation with people with malignant narcissism where like you, you say like, well, why do you, you know, don't you think that you have a higher opinion of yourself than is warranted? And they're like, no, no, I'm that special. Yeah. I've, I, you know, I, I have, you know, my mind operates on a level that other people don't and they, and it allows them to start believing things like they, because they don't, I think it's also where people don't do their research. 
You know, it's like uh, I think a lot of like people don't believe in, say, you know, vaccines or fluoride or things like that. It's a lot of that is based in, hey, if I don't understand it, why should I believe it's real at all? Right. If it's so true, how come I don't how come I can't figure it out? I think it's a lot of people just being like, um, no, I maybe I am smarter than any scientist ever was. Yeah. Maybe I do know more than every of than all these college professors right. going around. And it's like that is about your ego. That's about wanting to take credit for something that, you know, that makes you feel special or better. Just like, you know, narcissism can also materialize in negative ways that people don't understand. It's not just about believing in yourself. A lot of depressed people are narcissistic. Because yeah, no, a depressed absolutely. narcissist thinks that they are ruining everyone else's life. Yeah, no, I, this was a giant struggle of mine. Yeah, no, it's and it's true. And you it, and you're also in a place where, like, when you're in that hole, you're sitting there going, "How how is that narcissism? I hate me. Right? I am worse than everyone else. How is that narcissism? Because but, you've given yourself this importance, yeah. whether positive or negative, that isn't there." Right. You are right. not what everyone else in your life is always thinking about. Yeah. And a, and a depressed person loves to give themselves the excuse to think that. Yeah. And they they don't they don't realize. And it's coming from a different place than than the more common, you know, and it's also tricky because they're, they're both they're, you know, they're both signs of mental, you know, uh, being mentally unwell. Yeah. <coughs> but. You know, it, it is it is a difficult thing. Yeah, I absolutely felt that way for for years, for years that my existence was ruining not only my life, but past lives and fuck it. Like, yeah. And know, it, because it even depress because depression is, let's face it, enjoyable. It can be. It can it be can very be. It, for it's a blanket. I don't even know if it's enjoyable. It's comforting. It's, it can become familiar. It, it can, can be enjoyable. Maybe the wrong word, but I know that there is a certain. Your not, brain tricks yourself into de- keep diving into it. Indulging in the depression yes. is what yes. feels yes. better. Yes. Indulging yes. in it, giving yes. into it is what feels better. Anyone listening to this, going, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I'm saying this is someone who has done exactly this. I think yeah. Dave is too. Yeah. I know that there is a feeling you get from giving into depression that is very safe and very uh, comforting. There's a relief. Yeah. And because otherwise, you know, it would otherwise you would want to break away from it. Yeah. You would want to change your mind. The last thing you want, the last thing you want to do when you're depressed is change your mindset and you get mad that you realize you could. Yeah. it, It pisses you off when you're depressed, when you realize I actually can change my mind right now and think about something else and actually get into a good mood and it's so depressing to realize god this isn't this isn't even a a, not a choice yeah i can actually just i could stop this right now if i wanted to and i don't want to i will say i do i do think it gets tricky because there are different layers of depression and there are different phases of it of course yeah and i think when the depression becomes induced and you start falling down that hole I think that just kind of happens. I don't think a lot of times. I don't think it's you choosing, but you hit a you hit a kind of a a, a peak, and as you start to lower down from that peak, 
The second you start lowering, I think that's that's kind of what you're talking. But is what yeah. I'm saying makes sense? I've never dealt with. I don't want people. De- I don't want anyone yeah. to get the impression that if you if you entered a depression, it's because you chose. No, to be no, I didn't mean that at all. What yeah, I meant, and I didn't think you did. What I meant was the behavior. Right. The behavior right. around the depression. You have to understand that the to br- to just fake it and break away from it doesn't make you feel better even though you might stop thinking about what's making what's what's your depression is focusing on it's not what's right, making you depressed right. it's what your depression is choosing yeah. to say this is what I'm going to act like I feel like this over even though it's really not the stimuli um i guess i meant no but i'm saying we all know what it's like to just want to just be just depressed and not because i've i've been in situations where it's like i sarcastically pretend that I wasn't depressed for someone that was telling me to just act like it for a yeah. minute. And then I got so mad that it worked. Yeah. I was so mad that I actually felt better that, but, because people were reacting to me better. Right. Because pretending right. to be happy made all these people nicer to me. Yeah. And I felt like an idiot, you know, for the fact that I was just like protecting my depression so much. Yeah. Right? And, and, I mean, you feel like an idiot, but that's also, uh, sorry. Um, there's also, like, it's it's not a stupid thing. It's a brain chemistry thing. You yeah. f- You feel that way, but that doesn't. You can't turn it off. I know that. Yeah. It's so tricky. It's the behavior, things, not the feeling, I meant. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. And that's always, that's always. I feel like uh, my generation especially struggles with the difference between the difference between feelings and thoughts. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, you're a little older than me. I'm sure it's been a struggle. I think, once again, I think social media has made it, it's blurred the line between feelings and thoughts. All feelings have some sort of validity. Sure. The thoughts you have after them don't. We are currently being crippled by a generation, a certain kind of generation, a certain part of the generation that only feels and doesn't think. Right. That is what a Trump supporter is. Yeah. And to be perfectly a- honest, that is the only way you can find him acceptable. Yeah. Well, and I would also, I would also argue the people. I I am one of those people. I don't want to get a whole political thing, but like I no, do but they're think, evil, and we should we should we should reference that. No, no, no I I don't. They're an unacceptable I, I think, ideology, yeah, no, I don't and think, we should they should feel bad about it. Sorry, go on. I don't think them feeling bad about it will actually fix it. I really do believe that a lot of the supporting of Trump comes from a place of combating. I think there was this kind of uh, there was there was a lot of progress, and then some people. I think started nitpicking shit that really doesn't matter on a grand scale. It, yes. It, you, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of people who fell into that went, fuck these people. Yeah. And the nitpicking and the nitpicking comes from the idea that narcissism is everywhere. And no matter what you believe, right. no matter what you believe in this world, there is someone on the internet making it look bad. Yeah, and I, I, but I agree with you. I think, I think supporting Trump is a, a bad thing to do. But I also, because I, you know, I'm on the liberal side of it. I always think it's important to acknowledge this, 
Yeah, there are a lot of annoying liberals, but those weren't really the ones in charge. Those were the anecdotal evidence that Republicans were using against liberals and just saying, because this college student that you've never met said a quote that you're offended by, that's why you should vote against giving yourself right. the kind of tax the kind sure, of taxes the that people, would actually help your life. The people who voted in Trump, those aren't, those aren't the people in charge. Those are just people. It just comes from people. The dialogue, yeah. and that's the thing with the internet, the dialogue can get twisted just because anyone anyone has a voice. I don't think it's a bad thing to have a voice, but now everyone has a voice, and what we've realized is that a lot of people aren't doing productive things with them. Yeah, what we're learning is that elitism actually had a very good side effect, which was keeping the crazy people from building followers. Yeah, no, it, it, it is, and not that I'm pro-elitism, but that is... But it's not... You can't build, you can't go a hundred percent the other direction either. Where yeah, every balance. asshole deserves the same amount of attention and respect as the New York Times. You cannot do that. That's what's so wrong. The idea that we tell people that a lying schizophrenic in his basement should be treated with the exact same amount of validity as as a professional journalist or or you know the head of the FBI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's it's. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if there's one thing, if there's, I I really do think that if it all, this whole episode boils down to one word, and tell me, tell me if you think I'm wrong here, I think it boils down to nuance. Yes, it's I it's, agree. I I and the black, the white. This is bad. This is good. This is evil. This is, this is you know. Um, uh, savior. This is this is Satan. This is God. The black and white of things makes people easy to control. It allows people not to think it's, you know, and I think it, it's, it's all as even this is liberal. This is conservative. It all boils down to it's not that simple and it would be a much easier yeah. world if it was that simple. And that's why we want to believe it. And people have a way of framing the world in 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 ways that are not truly honest just because it makes it easier for them to wrap their heads around it. Yeah. You know, racism is one of the simplest, the simplest ones. Yeah. Just being like, eh, white people are good. The rest are bad. That's, that gives somebody the ability. Well, I needed some way to think good about myself and for the world to make sense to me. Right. Because the world doesn't make sense. It's too, it's too chaotic. It's too complex for most people to really, uh, comfortably wrap their heads around. And so they just make up things that make it make sense to them. Yeah. No, no, I, I, religion, uh, re, you know, prejudice, uh, just being really, really into Pokemon, like anything. <laughs> everyone finds something that makes the world make sense to them. Yeah, and I don't. I think if I don't know, I think they're. I think a simple hobby is good. I think it's good to have things to distract you from how painful the world is. Whatever it takes to get you to not. Believe in conspiracy theories on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it gets you to be not I wish that, that bored. was the only evil though. Once again, I think it's working. Everything's working. No, there's lots the of kids, bad things, man. but they're the ones I'm going to focus on. Right. They're the ones I hate the most because, because you I fell hated, into it. Well, because I hated them so much longer before they became really popular. Right. And now I'm really mad. Yeah. Because I was talking about being anti-conspiracy in the early 2000s. Right. And now these assholes have ruined the world. Yeah. They poison the well of information enough that reality and truth is less important now than it's ever been. Yeah. And it's the only thing people should care about. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree.
Dude, I think we should. I think we should wrap out. All my roommates are home and very stuff. good. We did. We did an hour and a half, and this was a dude. Once again, so I say once again, like you were here for the last time. I said this. Such an interesting conversation. Thank you. And uh, you yes. know, I I uh, I really appreciate you coming and talking about every. Once again, another episode. I've this will be the second episode in a row where it's not as hyper focused as it was in past episodes. But I'm okay with that because these are things that I I want more people to talk about. Let's be honest, your podcast is an unsustainable premise, so you're gonna really have to (laughs) keep things loose. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I'm I'm glad I do because it's allowing me to have these uh, conversations. Where where can people find you? Uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook are uh, Twitter and Instagram are both uh, Dave Cyrus, but S I R U S. Yeah. That's how you spell Cyrus. Yeah. Um, and you should YouTube Brickstone if you want to see me argue with people who think they're religious. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, no. And you're also, I will say, um, for, uh, uh, in terms of like political insight and that, you're incredibly educated, uh, and you know what you're talking about. And, uh, you do a lot of postings on, you know, that spectrum of thing on the political side of thing. And you find a way to make it funny too, which I, I very much respect. And, uh, uh, yeah, people, people should definitely give you a follow. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, it feels like it's too far. Fuck it. Uh, yes. June 19th, 2020, uh, King of Staten Island. Just, I would really appreciate it if you would, if you would watch. Yeah. Dave, Dave, uh, uh, you, you wrote it. Yeah. You wrote it, uh, with, with, you wrote it with Pete Davidson and Judd Apatow, right? Yes. Yeah, so it, it was the three of you, and you guys wrote it, and it's it's mm-hmm. directed by Judd. Yep, and it's starring Pete Davidson. Yep, Some and other it's uh, I'm I'm really ex- I haven't seen it, of course, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know it's it's not till June, but you, hey, you heard it here first. Yeah, if you're at well, it's gonna be if you're at South by Southwest, uh, we'll be doing our world premiere there. So if you if you're if you happen to be at South by, please come uh, check it out. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent, dude. Thank you again. Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. And I, I really, I really appreciate this episode, man. Thank you. Thanks.